All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. We have uh, one extremely proud father and mother up front here, so we got to do this. Anthony, you can... So this is little Anthony Vincent. All right. So grateful to have him. Make sure he knows not to cry during the sermon, okay? (laughs) Train early, all right? All right, so uh, Friday night, we had the privilege of doing the live stream of the David event, and... uh, I think we had about 100 people here, which it was very last minute, just trying to get it in. And it was really outstanding. Uh, Just a very sweet time of uh, being exposed to biblical truth in a unique and interesting way. And uh, I felt affected by what we observed, uh, by what we saw. And uh, so just thank you to to Laura for bringing that up and uh, everybody that helped with the helping to see that happen. In two weeks on Saturday night, September 17th, we are having a celebration with the the team that works in the country of Rwanda. So we uh, support a mission work there, and they're going to be coming and uh, doing a celebration night with us, just giving thanks to God for the things that have been accomplished in the country of Rwanda. So that's 6.30 on September 17th, so we want you to be aware of that, and hopefully you can come, enjoy some fellowship. We'll have some uh, coffee and uh, snacks to eat. Uh, just a nice time of celebrating and a time to pray for the missions work that we support. Next Sunday morning, we begin our Sunday school program again. So we have uh, classes for the young people. And then we have two adult classes that we're going to be doing. Doug and uh, a couple of folks that work with him are going to be teaching in the parables. And Pastor James is going to be doing a series in resolving everyday conflicts. So If you live with people or work with people, uh, you probably experience conflict. And it's important to learn from a biblical perspective how to work through those things in a godly way. Otherwise, we end up with a lot of devastation and destruction. So I want to encourage you uh, to consider coming for one of those adult Sunday school classes. The other reminder is for our child care ministry. Uh, Kristen is still in need of a few more volunteers, so if you can catch up with her after the service or just sign up on the sheet out front, she will get in touch with you and let you know what is involved with that. A few weeks ago, I was at a church down in uh, South Jersey. Um, just, we were away, and I was just, we were just attending service there. And it's a church a lot larger than our church, and as the season of worship and song was taking place, I mean, I, I just, I sing. If I'm in a worship service, I think you should participate. I don't think it's a spectator event. And I, I stopped singing and realized that no one around me was singing. And I know it wasn't because they thought my voice was so... <laughs> Maybe the word alarming comes to mind. Uh, I realized, no, they weren't listening to me. They just weren't singing. And I thought part of it was because the kind of song that was being sung was hard to sing. And and I just, I, I, I longed for what we experience here uh, at the chapel. I love to stop singing in the front here where I typically sit because I have ADD and I get distracted easy. Uh, I love to stop singing and hear the word of God being sung together. And uh, so I hope that as we join our hearts together before the Lord this morning, that you will not be a spectator, uh, but that you will enter into the experience of singing songs to one another. Uh, encouraging our hearts together in the Lord. Don't spectate. Join in. And if you don't know Christ, sing his praises and watch what God will do. 
as he makes his truth clear in your heart today. Would you stand with me as we pray? Our Father, this morning we are grateful uh, for the message of the cross of Jesus that fills our lungs with the song that we desire to sing, a song of praise to our God, a song of affection to our Savior who has done so much for us. Lord, I know each Sunday there are certainly people present who are living under a burden of guilt, a burden of shame, and they want to know that there is hope for forgiveness and life change. And Lord, I pray that as we sing together, as they join in singing truth that perhaps they don't even fully yet understand, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate, would open their eyes and allow them to grasp the truth of what Christ has done for them and that they would realize that there's hope for me as we sing together. Lord, this is not liturgy. This is worship. This is proclamation of truth. Let that be what comes from our lips today. As we come before you with a few needs that are present within our church family, we lift up our brother Jim Ash with the extended physical difficulties that he's been struggling with, and we pray for healing for him. We lift up uh, Kathy and Ray. Thank you that Kathy can be with us. And as she texted me this morning, I just need to be in the presence of God's people singing together. So Lord, let, let the word that is sung today minister to her heart so that she can minister well to her husband in his season of struggle. And as he prepares for surgery later this month, we pray that there would be a very beautiful result that would make Jesus Christ more clearly seen in their lives. Uh, we lift up Diana and just continue to pray, God, when, when she's with us and when she's not, that there would be just a constant stream of encouragement to her in her season of struggle. And for anyone here this morning, Lord, who is feeling the need to be isolated, I pray that being in community will expose to them the truth that they need to hear today. Bless Doug as he brings your word in a little bit. Bless Carmelo as he leads us in worship and the team that everything that is done would be an offering of praise to our God and that our hearts through it would fall more deeply in love with you, Heavenly Father. We pray these beautiful blessings in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's worship him together. I'll bless your name. I'll bless your name, oh God, each day that I awake. From dawn to setting sun, the greatness I'll proclaim. Your glory far exceeds all human thought. So the Lord. 
Jesus, the King of glory. Nations bow, mountains shake. Nations bow, mountains shake at the sound of just one name over all Jesus reigns. Yes, we believe that. The nations bow, mountains shake at the sound. At the sound, just one name, just one name over all as Jesus reigns. Yes, you reign, Lord. Yes, Lord, we praise you this morning. You are the King of glory. You are our only hope. We only trust in you. There is a King of glory. There is a God who saves. One who is strong and mighty. Freedom is in his name. So open the gates of heaven. Lift up a shout of praise. There is a lion roaring. Jesus, the King of glory. There is a lion roaring, Jesus, the King of glory. Yes, Lord, we praise you this morning. Only you can sing. come to save us what if you had never given grace it was love that held you there upon the cross it was love that led you to the grave forgiven forgiven set free Oh the power of Christ in me my Jesus my victory Oh the promise of Christ in me It's a promise we can stand on What if hope 
calling on the God of Jacob. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses.
just believe then we're saved we're redeemed you freed you freed the captives then you're freeing hearts right now you are the same God you are the same God you touch the lepers then I feel your touch right now you are the same God. You are the same God. It's never changing. Oh, forever. We trust you this morning, Lord. We look to the past to look to our future. calling on Holy Spirit I'm calling on the Holy Spirit Almighty River come and fill me again come and fill me come and fill me again yes Lord come and fill us Come and fill me again. That's our prayer this morning, God. As a church, as a congregation, Lord, come and fill us again. And not just through worship, which we do feel filled, feel filled from, but also from your word. Lord, be with Pastor Doug as he speaks to us. Come and fill us with your word this morning. This is a message we need to hear, whether we're married or not. So God, we look to you this morning. We continue to worship you through hearing of your word. Be with us now as we hear and help us to put into practice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning. Children up through third grade can be dismissed for junior church at this time. You know, I couldn't help but thinking about the songs we've sung today, you think about it. Um, a, a powerful song 
on Jesus' forgiveness. And the fact that we need God each and every day of our lives. And, you know, our, our passion for you as a leadership team here is that, first of all, you know the true and living God through Jesus Christ. And secondly, that you live every day of your life saying, I need you. I can't do it on my own. That's going to be especially important as we come to the topic we're talking about today, because you can't do it on your own. Um, before I jump in, though, just two quickies. Um, I'm with a different woman today down front here because, number one, my wife is in junior church and my daughter is back from Iraq. So, <laughs> so and this group prays for you faithfully. And so she's in a time of transition looking at some other ministry opportunities, possibly even in Ukraine. And so we'll just see what God does there in the next couple weeks. But you can continue to pray for her in this time of transition. One other quickie. Tim's mentioned it, but I just want to push it with you a little bit. Sunday school starts next week. Come on out. Give us a try. 9.30. Pastor James will be doing a series on conflict resolution. As Tim said, a problem that like everybody has. Um, and I'll be working through... The parables in Luke, the unique ones that are only found in Luke, and there's some whoppers in there that are really, really, really good. So come out and try it out, 9.30, next Sunday morning. Uh, we'd love to see you for Sunday school and see what God does uh, there in your life. Well, let's see, am I hitting this right here, Don? Okay, all right. So that will come up here in a second. If you have your Bibles, we're finishing up on our series on Proverbs today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5, we'll try to look at the whole chapter in our time together today. Um, I don't think that I probably have to convince you that we live in a sexually saturated culture. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, it, 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 the access to these things and, you know, some, you, you know, this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but even on college campuses, not all college campuses, but on, it's not unusual on college campuses for this new practice of hooking up where you get together with somebody you don't even know just for a night for fun and then go back. To, you know, just, it's just, you know, it, it, it's all around us, folks. And, and, and what, I, what I want you to know is the, the, the scripture does not ignore this issue. It speaks very powerfully to it. And there's a lot of things we could talk about. We could talk, focus in on uh, young men and young women and, 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 and who are not married and what happens there. And so there's all kinds of different things you could talk about in the areas of sexuality. I, I'm just going to pick up with the one that you find in Proverbs 5. It's just, it's one of the things. And it's primarily emphasizing this. Protect your marriage. Don't compromise your marriage sexually. And, and he, he's going to give us some advice on how to do that. This is not just a American problem in the, first century, in the 21st century, is it? You, you can go back 
to the first century in the time that Paul and Jesus and Peter and all these Jesus and his followers live. And, and here's one of the things that's really fascinating. Maybe you know this, maybe you didn't. And I, I, some of this you probably wouldn't know because you probably didn't spend your time counting it up. But if you took all of what we call the vice lists that Paul gives us in the New Testament, you'll come up with about 76 different, section, uh, 76 different kinds of sins. The subcategory that is larger than any other subcategory is in the area of sexuality. 21 terms revolve around that. I think number two is speech with like 14. Okay, scholars spend their time counting this stuff up. You know, you gotta, I'm glad somebody else does it, right? But, but, but you see what I'm saying? Paul moves into a culture where it's also saturated with sexual perversion. It's not just the 21st century. It was the first century. And if you run back a thousand years before that and you come to Israel, you're going to find it there too. So, you know, we could have stopped at any one of those points. The scripture speaks about this all, all the way through. We're just going to camp out in Proverbs 5 today and look at what he says. And if you will heed his advice... It'll save a marriage. It won't just save a marriage. It'll allow your marriage to thrive. Do you see? Because God's ways are always best. So let's, let's jump in and see what he says. One other thing, just by kind of way of review. Um, so the book of Proverbs, as you know, is all about wisdom, right? No, no secret there. It's really, really interesting the, the, the first nine chapters tend to almost kind of give you the underlying philosophy of what he's going to say. And then chapters 10 and following, you find all these wonderful little nuggets, right? You find nuggets everywhere. But here's what's fascinating to me. All of chapter 5, about half of chapter 6, and almost all of chapter 7 are given over to issues related to sexuality. Do you see? I mean, it's a major issue. And so I, I hope maybe you go back and read five, six, and seven yourself, because we certainly won't have time to deal with all of them. It's powerful stuff. So this chapter deals with marital fidelity. When you get into chapter seven, it talks about the young man and the temptations he faces. That's another one. It's just that we're not going to jump into it today. So. Listen as he speaks powerfully here. And one of the things you'll find, um, I, I, maybe I'll just put this up here too and just hit this with you real quick. I think I've mentioned it to you before. But when it comes to this area of sexuality from God's perspective, you see that kind of box there in the middle. Um, the scripture speaks richly and powerfully about sexuality within the context of marriage. You know, think about it. The Song of Solomon. Um, you don't typically do that as a series with, with the youth group. I don't know if Tim, my guess is Tim's probably not thinking in that, that realm. Because it's an entire book that's going to talk to you about the relationship between a man and a woman in context of their wedding night and what they're experiencing physically. An entire book. It's amazing to me. And so, so God is not... Victorian about sexuality within the context of marriage. It's rich, it's powerful, it's intimate, it's wonderful. 
But he says there's a whole series of things that are perverted outside of it that you cannot engage in. Well, you can, that you should not engage in because if you do, it will dishonor him and it will always hurt you. So I just want to focus in on this particular one in our time. So chapter five, verses one to six, here's his advice. And here, here's what I love. The Bible is so realistic because when it comes to issues of temptation, it will talk both about being proactive. In other words, preparing yourself for what will come at some point. And, 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 and it will also talk about things that you should just be avoiding. It, it'll handle it at every different level. But here he starts by being very proactive. And look, and what he basically says, you can see there in your notes, pursue God's wisdom and word indeed because sexual temptation is deceptive and devastating. So he starts by saying this, he makes his appeal in verses one and two. Um, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. And turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. You see what he's saying? Be, before that temptation e even comes, there needs to be an agenda that's deeper and richer in your life. And it is this attitude that comes before God and says, God, I need you to change me from the inside out. I can't do it. So that discretion is something that characterizes my life and what I say on my lips. Well, why? Look at verse three. God, do you see what he's saying? Protect my lips and what I say from the inside out. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. There will come a time when person will speak to person. What happens when that goes on? What happens when that allurement comes and she says this or he says this? Because you can reverse this stuff, right? What happens when they come and they say this? What will I say at that moment? And if God is not already doing work in my heart, I could say the wrong thing, which will lead them to say that and me to say that. And, then, and it's a spiral. Um, I went back and forth whether I should even share this, but I thought I would for what it's worth because it's all over the internet now anyway. Um, but one of, the, one of the preachers who I have just loved through the years, the last couple of years, he's been a great blessing to my life, um, is, is Matt Chandler. You know Matt Chandler, right? You should. He's worth listening to. He's very, very good. Well, I saw a blurb last week uh, about him, so I went on to hear his message and what he said, what he said last Sunday. And, and he apparently wasn't involved in anything romantic or sexual with another woman, but he stood up and he said that there was, um, the term he used, he said, my my discussion with her, and I think it was, I don't know if it was on Instagram or one of those, it doesn't really matter. But he said, my discussion with her was too frequent and too familiar. 
Okay, so I don't know what that all means. And I pray it's just surface stuff. And he's, he stepped aside for a while. And I pray he can be restored by his church and the elders, depending upon all the details, which I know nothing about. Nothing about. And frankly, I'm not real interested. But I couldn't help but think because I was studying this passage. And it started with an appeal, something she had asked him, and he responded back. And before you knew it, it was moving into an arena where it should never have gone. And isn't that what happens? And the text cries out, I have to have as my ultimate agenda, God, Christ, him, so that he's so changing me from the inside out that it will guard my lips because she will, the temptation will come in some form somehow. And what will I say? Will I be ready? What I can tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you know Christ and he is the one who is central, there, there is a protection that comes there, isn't there? What do I love most in the core of my heart? What do I want most in the core of my heart? I pray it's the true and living God. Because what that will do is that will begin to push out other things. Pursue God's wisdom. Here's the other thing I found. But Listen to the description of this seductress in verses 3 to 6. The lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. Man, does she have the words. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. You know what I find there? She thinks what she's doing is okay. See, the self-deceived seek to deceive. That's how it works. So, I mean, if you pull this person aside, she may be sincerely sexually immoral. She's an adulteress, which means she's married. And for whatever reason, she's looking at her husband and she's thinking like 30 more years with this guy, not in your life. Right? I mean, I'm just saying. And in her mind, it's like, I can't do this. I shouldn't do this. I have needs too, you know. And whatever that reasoning process is, folks. And look, we have all imagine some of those kinds of things. Have we not? And if you don't curtail it right away, it will begin to lead you into a direction that's counterproductive. But this woman is self-deceived and she wants to deceive. Thinking what she's saying is the way to be, the way to live. And the writer says, it will always leave lead to a death-like experience. Now, it doesn't mean someone's going to physically die. But the quality of life that they live is never what God has designed for humanity. Do you see? So he says, 
look, what I want you to do is pursue wisdom, God's wisdom, in word and deed from the inside out because sexual temptation is deceptive. It's deceptive. It sounds good. You know, you're watching the Super Bowl and that commercial comes on and, man, that, some crazy commercials. You have to turn it off. But it gets, it gets things going in your head sometimes. And if you're not ready, it's going to be smooth as oil. Do you see? Things haven't changed in thousands of years, folks. They haven't. These temptations come our way. So he says, I want you to pursue God's wisdom and word and deed. Secondly, he says, I want you to embrace God's boundaries. Let's see, did that switch you over there? There we go. Okay. He says, I want you to embrace God's boundaries so as to avoid loss, regret, and embarrassment. Here's one of the things that's really interesting to me. The, 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 the writer of Proverbs is so brilliant in the way that he communicates truth. Sometimes it's a frontal attack. Here, my son. And that's kind of my favorite with my kids, you know, when they're younger. Sit down here. Listen to me kind of thing. But, but he does all kinds of things. He tells stories. He comes up with case studies. And in this case, as he's talking to his son, he says, son, let's imagine that you don't listen to me. Let, let's kind of walk down the road of what could actually happen. As you leave your wife for another man's wife. Look at what he says. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. In other words, stay away, as far away as you can. Why? Look at some of the reasons, verse 9 and 10. Lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. Now, I don't know this for sure. There's debate among this with scholars. And I'm a couple thousand years removed from it, so it's hard to know for sure. And we don't have a lot of other explicit comments on it. We have some, but they're minor. Um, it does seem that in some, some of the cultures here, what ha in Israel and some of the ones around them, that one of the things that would happen would, could happen is if that guy, whether he's single or married, sleeps with my wife, there's compensation that's either financial or even at times where he might actually become enslaved to me because of the financial devastation that comes into his life. And, and it does sound, as you're reading this text, that, that he's talking about those kinds of things. Folks, if one guy's wife sleeps with another guy who's also married, are there consequences? They're all over there. They may not be identical to the ones that they were experiencing here, but they're always devastating. People are hurt. Children are hurt. People's dreams. I mean, I've often thought about this. If I'm willing to leave my wife to be with that gal who's willing to leave her husband, 
What makes me think that she won't do the same thing to me one day? And her the same thing back to me. I mean, like, really? Two people being unfaithful, being faithful? I mean, I'm just saying, it doesn't quite add up. So he says, he says, look, there are, there, and the issue that is here is complete loss. And the father says, son, let me take you down this step. You will get to the point where you will look around. And the only way you can describe everything around you is loss. Financial loss, relational loss, societal loss, where people look at you and it's an embarrassment. And son, when you speak, this is what you will say. Look what he says in verses 11 and following. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. And this is what you'll say, verses 12 to 14. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. You're going to get to the end of your life and you're not going to say that was worth it. You're going to look back and you're going to say, my father said, listen, incline your ear. And I didn't. I didn't. What was I thinking? God, why would I... Why would I do that to you? Why would I do that to my wife? Why would I do that to my children? Why would I do that, Lord? But at that point, it's too too late to go back and redo those things. Doesn't mean there can't still be forgiveness. Of course, we believe in that. But there's consequences. There's deep-seated pain and hurt. And this guy can say, whether I'm looking at people I've hurt here or the community that I hang out with in the past, everybody looks and says, whatever happened to Finkbeiner? You know? What was he thinking? And this father says, son, let me paint the picture of the way it'll be. It'll be a life of loss. It will be words of complete regret. And I want to save you from that. Look, when my children were young, I didn't want them running out into, into the street. I, I didn't want them doing that when they're older either. But, right? But, right? I, I mean, it's not like one of my three-year-olds going to run out there and, and I say, now, honey, let, let's talk about this decision before you do this. Okay, I'll let you make the choice, you know, your three-year... No! I says, no, you're not going out. And Yeah, but it's so much fun. The ball's out there. I don't care. If the ball gets run over, I don't care. You're my, you're my child. I love you, right? And you set up parameters because you know what can happen. It's what God does with us. Warnings from his word are not negative things that we go like, oh, that's a bummer to have to read that. They're glorious, loving warnings for us. To protect us. Do you see? And he looks at his son and he says, son, son, son. Build barriers in your life. Don't don't even go near 
her house. Years ago, in another church, in another solar system, another world that nobody here would know about. I'm kidding, but another, another place. There was a guy who was leaving his wife because of another woman, and then he came back to his wife. But he still held on to some things from that other woman. And we told him, you can't do that. Because in a moment of weakness, you'll look at that again, and boom, you're gone again. You can't do it. I don't know that, I don't think he took our advice, unfortunately. But, but, but Tim and James and, and, and others, have, I, I've seen too much of this in my life. Please don't play with fire. You know, when, it, when a young man comes in the college setting and it's not at all unusual, normally when guys want to meet with me privately, it, it's other things sometimes too, but normally it's sexual issues. Hands down, you know. So we start small talking, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're nervous. And, you know, finally, we, you know, we get into those issues. And maybe, maybe the young man says, you know, um, my pornography habits are completely out of control. I don't know what to do. And so, you know, we, we, we set up a plan of accountability. And, and so, but one of, the, one of the things, and I always talk to them about the fact is, is if your love and interest of those things are stronger than your love and interest for Christ, we don't have a chance. We don't have a chance. I don't quite say it that way, but that's what I'm thinking. I try to be a little bit nicer the way I say it. I'm nicer with people than you might think I am sometimes, okay? But that's the truth. But one of the things I say is, as we work on all those things is, where are you tempted most? When are you tempted most? By what are you tempted most? And how do we prevent you from being in that time setting in place? And you, know, and you wrestle through that together to try to figure out what that looks like and what that means. Because the text says, yes, fill yourself from the inside out with God and his wisdom. It will push things out. True, true, true. But don't play with fire. If you know that's a problem over there, don't go there. Because, son, if you do, it can, you lead, it can lead you where you never thought you would go and experience what you never ultimately wanted. All right. So if you're going to help this guy in his marriage with these temptations out there, all you've given me at this point is no, 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 no. Right? Proverbs, though, now switches gears and talks about what God does want to do in your life. Look what he says here in verses 15 to 19. Experience God's enjoyable design of marital intimacy. So, you're in a marital relationship, you're with your wife, you're with your husband, whatever the case may be. Um, and you know the dangers of that, okay? And you, you've heard that it's, you've got to fill yourself up with God first and foremost and love him above everything else and be proactive. And when the temptation comes, you'll be ready. And look, it's good stuff, good stuff. And, 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 and again, set boundaries because otherwise 
this is where it could lead. Okay, got it, got it. But what else? Be completely given over to the gift that God has already given you within the marriage itself. Look what he says in verses 15 to 19. Drink, and, and, and often when you deal with sexual issues in the scripture, uh, it's, it's framed in metaphorical language, okay, which, which is good. So I will, I will be careful not to become too explicit, but this stuff is sometimes worth thinking about in more detail, is what he says. Drink water from your own cistern. Running water from your own well. Because, because the whole sexual relationship within marriage is often framed in this thirst and, and pure water and springs and all that kind of stuff. Okay? Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water into the public squares. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. You know what he says? Within the context of marriage, I have given you this wonderful experience that I frame as thirst and springs of living water. Now, now ultimately, the spring of living water is Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. But, but he's using similar kinds of imagery here, spring water, right? And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to experience that to the full in complete privacy between you and your mate and no one else. I, um, I do get leery sometimes. There's been some Christian literature written in these areas where people seek, in my opinion, they become overly explicit of things you can do with your mate. And folks, what I would say is be careful with that kind of stuff. God calls the husband and wife to a life of enjoyable exploration together in which they come to that marriage bed with the attitude. This was completely against the culture of Paul's day in 1 Corinthians 7. When, when he says, when you come to that marriage bed, the husband's one idea should, should not be, what can I get? It should be, what can I give? Because Paul says, your body is your wife's. And to the wife, your body is your husband's. But in the first century, they'd be okay with the second part, but not the first part. The wife's body is the husband's. But you can't imagine in the Greco-Roman world, somebody saying, and the husband's body is the wife. So, what, what, what? Yes. Because you're partners together. And what he says is, I want you to go and I want you to ask yourself, how can I give to this person who I want to go deeper with and enjoy, knowing that what goes on in that setting is something that will both enrich our relationship with God. As Hebrews 13, 4 says, the marriage bed is completely undefiled. It's exactly what God wants. So you go to that marriage bed and you experience the joy of giving that enriches your relationship with God and with one another at the same time. And what I can tell you, folks, there is nothing outside of marriage that can compete with that. Nothing. 
And wherever you find yourself right now, none of those allurements will work when God says it's right here. It should be private and intimate and personal and you explore together. If you struggle in that area, yes, get, get some, come and get some advice from Christians who can help you and counsel you. So I'm not saying that's, you shouldn't do that. I'm all for that too, if you need to. But for so much of it, enjoy the exploration and the joy of intimacy together. Don't share this with people here and there. It's yours. And he gets a little bit more specific. Look at what he says in verses um, 18 and 19. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Whoa, but she's not young anymore. Yeah, but she's the wife of your youth. You're not young anymore either, buddy. <laughs> I mean, hello. <laughs> anyway, I won't get into all that, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be, and what I have here in the, in the NIV, it's literally the word stagger in the Hebrew, it, but it's been, it's been um, translated here. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. I think it's actually a good translation because sometimes people stagger because they're intoxicated. And what he's saying is, I want you to go to that experience and there's a sense in which people who are, we are supposed to be characterized by being self-controlled, there comes a point where God says it's okay to lose it. I'm just saying what the text says. And he uses the imagery of these does and this deer. If you've ever been over to Israel, you get close to some of these these, these particular um, uh, deer that he's talking about, there's a beauty, there's a, there's a silkness to their, to their to, and, and often these really dark eyes and so forth. So, so I, I think, you know, we may use a different image. I mean, if I go home and say, honey, you look like a doe. I, I don't know if that's going to cut it. You know what I mean? So you got to figure out the one that works for you. But in their world, be like, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of beauty there. So what does it mean for you to go and affirm with your mate, I am so glad you're mine. And then enjoy the gift that God's given you. Out of a spirit that seeks to give rather than to get. Do you see? Because that is priceless. So, in this area of temptation... You've got to watch that temptation. You've got to, first of all, do it from the inside out with God. And then the gift that God has given you, enjoy it to the full, privately, intimately, between you and your mate. Talk, talk, talk. The other thing that's often struck me about Song of Solomon, which is all about this area, do you realize the whole book is about communication? She says, he says, she says, he says, back, 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 back and forth. That means when it comes to this area, you've got to talk. I'm just saying, you got to talk. All right, enough said. Um, I could say more, but I, I'll stop. Do you get the point? The scripture celebrates the physical gift of God that he's given us within the context of marriage alone. And it warns us of everything else.
And the image I've often used with people, fire in a fireplace on a cold winter's night is the best. Unless the drapes catch on fire. Then it's the worst. Stoke the fire and don't let the drapes get caught. Okay? I mean, isn't that what he's saying? Watch the drapes. Stoke the fire. Enough said. <laughs> Lastly, in verses 20 to 23, wake up to the foolishness of marital unfaithfulness because God sees all and sin always destroys. He pleads with his son in verse 20, why my son be intoxicated with another man's wife. Yes, in that actual act, for that moment, it will be exhilarating, but it, will, it cannot compete to what happens in marriage. And while marriage has nothing but good consequences, that has nothing but negative consequences. And he pleads, why would you do that? Why would you embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord. And he examines all your paths. Isn't it interesting when it comes to this area where people seek secrecy? Don't they? I don't want anybody to know. One o'clock in the morning when nobody's walking and they flip open their computer and start doing what they do with pornography so that nobody knows. What they don't realize is God is there. It's not like God's sleeping. And at the end of the day, it's, 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 if, if somebody comes up and catches you, that's not near as bad as the fact that God sees you. But we don't feel that way, do we? And he says, God sees all. When you work that out, it's secret. Nobody else knows, and you're meeting her for this place, and it's quiet, blah, 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 blah. God is there. The evil deeds of the, of, of the wicked will ensnare them. The cords of their sins will hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die led astray by their own great folly. Isn't it the nature of sin that it's sticky and it entangles us? Out in our raspberry patch, man, do we have raspberries coming in now? If you need raspberries, let us know, man. There's a lot of raspberries coming in. My dear wife. But there's this, this big old spider that's got a web out there right now. It's a really significant, and it's, I mean, I'm not kidding you, that spider, its body is that big. Um, it's, it's, you know, so when you're doing the raspberry, I think it's harmless, they tell me, but it still makes me a little bit nervous. It's got this major web, and you got all these flies and gnats and whatever, they just get caught in there. And, and you know what happens? They try to get out, don't they? And the more they move, what happens? The more they get bound up. And it's just, that's the way sin is. It's always sticky. And you get caught and entrapped, and then, it, then there's more because you're trying to do this to cover up that. And the only, the only way out of the trap is repentance. That's the only way out. But if you keep to try, just do whatever you're going to do, you'll just get more and more stuck. 
And he says, if you don't deal with this, you'll just get more and more stuck. And eventually, your life will have very little meaning to it. Does anybody in here want to live like that? I mean, if I call you like, hey, so what are some of your life goals? I would like to have a completely meaningless life. I'm looking to devastate people around me that love me. Um, Hurt any potential God sees in me to do certain things that he's designed for me. Hurt God. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. nobody, Nobody says that because sin is deceptive. Sin always promises you something. And then when you get caught, you get caught, you get more caught. And the only way out is repentance, as we sang today, because it's forgiveness that frees us. That's it, folks. That's, that's why we're in this business. I'm, on the, I'm not in this business to say, I want to make your life completely miserable. You can't do this. You can't do that. You did it. No. The wise man says, I love you. God has this incredible design. Don't violate it. Prepare for it. Think about it. Watch all of that and invest in this to his glory as you love him from the inside out. And that's why I say this, the writer says. So, point. The wise internally embrace God's design for sexual intimacy. And avoid all counterfeits. Because there's a lot of them out there, folks. There's a lot. And what I would tell you, the writer of Paul picks up on these exact same themes. The whole beginning section of 1 Thessalonians 4 is all given over to this issue. And again, he points us back to God again and again and again. And I love that passage in 1 Corinthians 6 that gives a whole litany of sexual temptations along with other temptations and other kinds of things. And he comes to the end of that and he says, and such were some of you. And the gospel is all about freeing us. I'm not saying it's easy. And it's typically incremental. Okay? Okay? It's not like, whoop, that, whoop, that's gone. Uh, Not exactly. I mean, not at all. But there's incremental growth possible because of the spirit of God that God has given us. And if we allow him to do that work from the inside out, you will find that these temptations become less alluring over a period of time. But you've always got to be vigilant because they can, Keeps popping back if you're not very, very careful. So, you may want to, if you get a chance, to read all of Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 again. You get the big picture. I've just given you one little slice. But I will say this. It will not only save your marriage. You can learn to thrive in that marriage too. If you allow God to do what only he can do from the inside out as he begins to change you with all of the allurements around us. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in the gospel. Lord, for 
any that are here today who have never bowed the knee to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and found that forgiveness that can only come in through him, may this be the day. But for most of us, Lord, we've trusted you. And Lord, we forget that the devil walks back and forth as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We live in a world, Lord, which is no friend of grace. A world that needs you desperately that we need to love for your namesake. But a world that is not a friend of grace. Lord, will you transform us from the inside out? Will you help us to protect our marriages? Invest in those marriages. Talk to our mate. Share with our mate. Experience, Lord, what we can only experience is a wonderful gift from you that is guilt-free, shame-free, and leads us deeper in our faith walk with you and with the mate that we love. Father, We need you. (laughs) We need you now. We need you tomorrow. We need you the rest of our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Oh, the night.
about today God we are you know as Christians and as a society Lord we are lost and the temptations are constantly there in our face and sometimes we don't ask that they put in our face and sometimes we put them in our face God give us wisdom we know as we sing this song Lord all we can say is that you know we can't do it on our own with these things we can't do it on our own we need your help Yet not I, but through Christ in me. So we want to give you the glory in our lives, God. May we see greater things 
Thank you for your loving warnings and loving kindness, loving statutes and proverbs that tell us there's a better way. There's a different way. God, we thank you for this time this morning. We can be together, encouraged by worshiping the word. We ask as we go into our weeks, may you be glorified by what we think, what we say, what we do, and the time we spend with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.